Welcome to Pet Sitter Confessional. Today, we're brought to you by Time to Pet and the National Association of Professional Pet Sitters. Today, we are super excited to have Candace from Pet Boss Nation and the Boss Your Business podcast. And if you're not listening to that, if you're not involved with that content, uh, there will be links in the show notes directly for you to go get in contact with that. Candace, it is a pleasure and an honor to have you on today. I'm super excited to dive into a topic that I don't feel like we talk a lot about uh, in running our businesses, pet, doing dog walking and pet sitting is, is client retention and conversion of clients into our business. Um, but for those who aren't familiar with you and all of your body of work. Uh, Can you please tell us a little bit more about yourself and all that you do? Well, thanks so much for having me here, Colin. I'm really excited. I've been following your podcast for a while and just love listening. So I I really feel honored to be here today on your your podcast. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) So at Pet Boss Nation, we, you know, keeping it simple here, we help pet business owners who have a local pet business. So your pet retailers, dog daycares, pet sitters, and more all increase their revenue through improving their marketing strategies and also helping them with their leadership styles, in a sense, ultimately to to get their life back, reclaim their life back so that they can have a thriving life and a thriving business. So we support all the different pieces and we do it through a variety of ways. I have a membership. We have our podcast as well. We have YouTube. I do one-on-ones. And we've really created this big community in the pet industry at Pet Boss Nation of a collaboration and the different niches within the space coming together to um, partner and to learn more about how the whole ecosystem works. You know, I, I have an extensive career in the pet industry. I started back in 2004, which we might have time to kind of go through some of the, the things I've done personally. Um, but I just had found that everyone was kind of in their little silos. And, and I wanted a place where we could um, learn about the different revenue streams inside the pet space and kind of how they all play together. Because ultimately, we all share the same customer, <laughs> that, that pet parent. Um, and, and there's lots of ways that we can collaborate and do business together. So I wanted to find us or create a space, ultimately a business coaching company that helps the small business owner um, improve their professional skills in running a business to make it a little bit easier for everybody. And you said that phrase, we all share the same customer. I think we forget about that because we mm-hmm. are in our silos of, of, oh, this is the only touch point or I'm, I'm, they only see me here. And we forget about the, the, the vets, the groomers, the trainers, the boardings, the daycare, the whole circle yeah. that's around them, right? Like that's, that's <laughs> right. We, <laughs> why is it important for us as business owners to keep that top of mind while we're serving our customers? Well, that is really kind of the the start of the lead generation and opportunities. And it's because when we, you know, a new pet parent, they they let's say they get a dog and they now are going to their veterinarian. That might be the first place they might go, or they're going to going to go to the local pet supply store. And as a former pet supply store owner, I tell you, I have had more new pet parents come in and ask for a dog trainer referral or a pet sitter referral. And um, and so that ecosystem of well then I'm going to refer out as a retailer, refer out to the pet sitter. Well, the pet sitter now is in the person's home seeing the type of dog food that they might be carrying or seeing that really worn out dog bed, and they might be able to refer back to the business. Or they're on a walk with the dog and they realize that this dog is pulling a lot. These people really need to hire a dog trainer or is a reactionary dog. And so now they've got a dog, a dog trainer that they can refer out or a dog daycare. You know, we have to, I'm a former dog daycare owner as well. And we would um, do an assessment test to pass the dogs at daycare. And then not every dog passes our assessment tests. And so 
the reason I ended up offering dog walking services was because I didn't want to say no to that potential business that was there. So we started a whole new revenue stream of dog walking, basically for the dogs who were getting turned away from daycare. And that evolved. But the daycares need a referral of a pet sitter dog walker for the dogs who are not, uh, who shouldn't be going to daycare. So it, there is this whole ecosystem. And, and why it matters is that and this is at least my personal belief, is that um, when a small business is thriving in a local community, it can be just a huge game changer to that local community. It inspires your fellow business owners. It inspires the people who you employ. And the ripple effect and the legacy that you can leave is just um, profound, honestly, when we start to really collaborate and connect with each other and other small business owners instead of feeling like it's competition. So that's the main, that's the main thing. But ultimately, <laughs> this, this, this relationship building that we all need to be working on and partnering with other businesses drives us new customers. It does. Well, and it keeps the the industry as a whole healthy because mm-hmm. if people don't if people stop owning pets, uh I I'm out of a job, right? My right. business doesn't do well. <laughs> so we right. we we, sh- we are incentivized to to pay, make our communities more pet friendly and more pet mm-hmm. accessible to pet owners. And that means having these kind of connections and these this collaborative effort to make sure mm-hmm. that this pet stays with this person for as long as possible and in a mm-hmm. healthy and in, in, in sound way. And so by 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 reaching out to building those relationships and getting out of our silo, it right. helps not only our businesses, but it helps that the, the pet parents lead a better life with their pet as well. Now, you mentioned uh, a, re- a retail store. You mentioned a daycare facility. Yeah. <laughs> what, what <laughs> I've, worked, I've worked in almost all the silos. <laughs> so all the done? niches. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I very first started as a, at a doggy bakery business with my one of my girlfriends, and we ended up wholesaling dog pastry treats. So I learned how to exhibit at the big trade shows and sell and then open up wholesale lines and um, ship across the country. This is back in, like I said, 2004. And then I ended up wanting to just start my own business. And so in 2006, I started Dogaholics in Chicago, Illinois. And Dogaholics, uh, the first location was retail boutique. Think, you know, high-end collars, leashes, toys, all natural foods. But again, back in 2006, like there weren't very many of us across the country. And then uh, we also offered self-wash, but I couldn't really get the self-wash off the ground. I think, again, as a concept, people weren't really used to that. This is, this is before Facebook, right? This is, I think Yelp was around, but even having an online store, I, I feel like that 2006 doesn't seem that long ago, but I feel like even back then, like it, the digital avenues to market were not like they are now. But I um, didn't, wasn't able to fill my self-wash space. So, and I ended up meeting a groomer who was getting back into the industry and wanted to help grow or like um, build their client book. So together we worked to grow a client book for grooming out of that location. A year later, I opened a second location because I thought, how hard could this be? You know, I've already like <laughs> done it once. How hard could it be? <laughs> and uh, opened up a second location and then realized, oh my goodness, I can't pull myself in, you know, be at both places at the same time. And uh, I realized then as I grew my team, how much I didn't have as far as uh, employee handbooks or policies and job descriptions. And I really ended up becoming like an HR office, right? Where, but anyway, I had a, I had the second location where we did also retail also, and again, grooming. And then about a year after that, I found out that there was going to be construction happening at, uh, right next door to one of the businesses and they were going to close the whole block. And I thought, well, gosh, I'll be out of business real quick there if no one can actually walk on my side of the street. So I moved um, across the street to my, moved my retail store across the street 
but I couldn't get out of my existing lease because it was like, not like I was going to disappear and go out of business. My landlord wouldn't be able to find me down the street at somebody else's building. Look across, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So I was like, oh, everyone's like, oh, just bail on the lease. I'm like, it's not like I'm like going off to another country. Like they're going to be able to find me. So I, what was cool about that other space though, was that it had a lot of outdoor space. So I decided I surveyed my customers and I decided that, um, I would do a doggy daycare out of that other retail space. And um, that is a whole long story, but ultimately it took a long time to get there, but we did get there um, and, and turning that business around and we had a doggy daycare. And then, like I said, I started a dog walking business because of the dogs that were getting turned down from daycare. So at one point I did have three physical locations and the dog walking business all in Chicago, Illinois. And I was about 30 years old. And then, uh, and I was going through the recession <laughs> at the time of 20, 2000, or just gone through the recession of 2008, 2009. Yeah. So that was really a tough spot, but I've closed one location. I sold a location to Bentley's pet stuff, which is a Marcus Lemonis company. They were featured on, or Marcus Lemonis, uh, was, the Prophet, as they they call him, he had a TV show on CNBC called The Prophet, and he would invest in um, mom and pop type businesses, and then well, he'd make over the businesses on the show, and then decide if he was going to invest in them. He did that with Bentley's Pet Stuff. I reached out to Bentley's Pet Stuff. They acquired my retail store, and then I ended up selling my doggy daycare to Destination Pet um, at the beginning of the pandemic, right like a week before the pandemic. <laughs> I was wow. Yeah, born under a lucky star there with that one. Yeah. <laughs> and uh the dog walking business though, I ended up closing com- completely, which is again another a whole other story, but I closed it. We had enough business for seven full-time walkers, but I uh my customers were running my business and I I there was a lot about pet sitting that I just didn't really get cuz I was not thinking about it as a <sighs> It was a solution to fill a problem at the time, and I wasn't really thinking about how does that business really benefit um, the customer and us as a company, and mm. I wasn't strategic about it, and that ended up, you know, biting me in the butt the next, you know, later on. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lots, lots of lessons there, Candice. I know I, so I, much. I know. Alan, I know we don't know me well, but it's kind of like learning from a fire hose or drinking yeah. from a fire hose when you talk to me. It's <laughs> I throw a lot at you, and uh, hopefully, hopefully, your listeners will. I'll come away with something. <laughs> well, and, and I think what's important, what's what's central to that is that in the pet care industry, this is a relationship-based business. Yeah. Right? It's a relationship. And we 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 want as a business long-term clients because less turnover with us is going to mean less headache. It's going to mean less overhead of us doing onboarding and meet and greets and giving out materials and wasting, quote unquote, wasting our time bringing people in. Mm-hmm. It's very costly to us, both with our time where we're paying staff members to do that. So in your time running the, the, the myriad of silos that you were involved in, uh, what, how, how did you find building those long-term relationships with clients? What, what are some things that you did to, to invest back into them? Well, and this is something that we teach about at, at Pet Boss Nation too, is that we want to um, really get to, to know the customer, right? Have, build that intimate relationship. And so we have to look at like, well, what is it that – what opportunities are we giving our customers to connect with us and connect even potentially with each other? And um, how do we connect, I guess, in the pet sitting space? Like, how are we connecting with the pets? And that ultimately will lead to longer retention. And we can talk about those strategies. But I want to kind of go back real quick a little bit and just explain that 
all, all of us need to be attracting business to us, right? That's that driving the traffic, driving the leads. And then, and then once you're getting these leads, we need to convert them, right? We have to actually close the deal, like close the sale, get them to buy, get them to commit. And then once we've gotten that commitment from them, we need to retain that client base because you've worked so hard. You've, you've run the ads or maybe you've, you've paid for the pop-up booth at the bark in the park or, you know, you've, you've dedicated a day to walk in all the veterinarians offices and putting up posters in there, whatever it is you've done, right? You've dedicated time to try to find these people. You've gotten them to buy that one time. And now how do we get them to buy again? How do we get them to keep paying us? And then, um, so that's that retention piece and getting to, to build that that trust and get them to buy more frequently. We'd like to teach at Pet Boss Nation that if you can increase, you know, if you can get your customers to spend more frequently, it's much easier than get trying to find new customers again. Have you heard of Time to Pet? Chrisanne from Raining Cats and Dogs has this to say. Becoming a Time to Pet client has been a game changer for us. We can give our pet services clients real-time cloud-based information they never imagined they'd be interested in. And most importantly, to me personally, I can better manage my company and look forward to more. And not a small thing, Time to Pet is responsive to my request for new features and modifications to existing ones. If you're looking for new pet sitting software, give Time to Pet a try. Listeners of our show save 50% off your first three months by visiting timetopet.com slash confessional. Yeah, it's, it's it's when you look at the the ROI on that investment of okay, if I spend a dollar to try and convince my existing customers to do something more with me, that's going to not just go further. It's going to be an easier spend than going out and trying to go to the wider market of going okay. Because at that point, you are trying to convince people, okay, okay, no, come to me. But once somebody's in front of you, being like, yes, I trust you, I know you, you're my go-to person for this. You know, you you said that phrase of what opportunities do we give clients? Do we give clients to connect back with us? I think that's so critical of realizing mm-hmm. we have clients that want more from us. They are yes. actively looking to us going, okay, what else? What else is there? What else is yeah. there? And we can be oblivious to that sometimes because we're busy doing other things. <laughs> right, right. Um, one thing that came to mind, you know, when we think about, I guess, that first interaction, it's that I love, you know, we just said, Colin, we just said, well, you know this, Colin, but we'll tell your listeners. You, they, they were just, Colin and Megan were just over in the Pet Boss Club, our monthly group membership, um, helping fill in as a business coach for me while I was on maternity leave. And during a live Q&A, uh, you dropped the wisdom bomb of you don't like to call it a meet and greet anymore, right? It's like a home consultation, right? Or what, what are some of the other ones? Oh, a uh, a, a, a first client, new, new client setup or new client New onboarding. client setup, new yeah. client onboarding, right? So I think we have to start, kind of start there, Right. If we can capture someone's attention and help them fall in love with us, right? Help that client just completely fall head over heels in love with us <laughs> during that first meet and greet. Think of it like dating, right? It's like, okay, how can I wow them? How can we woo them? And um, a lot of it is going to be some hand-holding, um, strong communication skills, really laying out what your boundaries are what and what their expectations are, right? I think a lot of disappointment can come from unmet expectations, and if we can get clear and take time in the initial introduction, initial meeting to really get to know each other and learn what their expectations are and be open to receiving them, right? And thinking, okay, I have these policies in place, but 
maybe this client needs a different type of service or has different desires than my other, some of my other clients. And so I think being open to what our client desire is, can we meet that expectation and then, um, have that conversation and, and set, set the tone for like what the next, what the rest of the relationship will be like. And at that point, then it's maintaining that communication. Like we want to check in after that meet and greet, after that first service, if it's um, an immediate follow-up after that first day, um, maybe it's not just a quick email. Maybe it is an email that triggers it, but maybe it's a text message or maybe it's actually you picking up the phone and calling, or maybe it's even you grabbing your cell phones and recording a video message of you saying, Hey, I, I'm just wrapping up my day. I've walked all, you know, I've seen all the, the clients for the day. I wanted to follow back up with you, see how it went. You're home now. I had such a great time. I want to keep lines of communication open. So if there's anything I could do to improve, please let me know now. I want to take the best care of your pet. You could record a video like that in 60 seconds and shoot it as a text message off. And you know what? That's going to seem like. Wow. <laughs> my, my, you know, pets that are just really is thinking about my dog and me at the end of their day and has given me now, they've said, I want to hear how it went from your perspective. Yeah. And I want that feedback so that I can be better for you and your pet. Um, it makes it a lot easier from the consumer standpoint that they've already put that wall down because, um, it can be, awkward for a customer to feel like, I don't really like the way that that thing was done. And now I have to, I have to initiate confrontation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I don't want, and I don't personally, I don't like doing that. <laughs> I've learned to become better at it because I have had up to, you know, 30 employees at one point. I think I've employed like 200 people. It's crazy, but wow. <laughs> I've had to learn to be good at confrontation, but I think it, what we can do as a service provider is provide, give them opportunities to let let our customers know that we want this feedback. I would much rather them scream and yell at me personally than have them go to the internet and scream and yell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I'll take it because it's always an opportunity to to improve. But I think in the beginning, it's just we want to align expectations yeah. and deliver the best service that we can. Because I think it's in, in doing this in the beginning, making making are opening up those lines of communication in the beginning and providing opportunities for your customers to know one know how to get a hold of you right and what the not only the best or easiest form is for you but what's going to make that communication happen um, with ease for that customer and then uh that kind of setting the tone that will start to kind of build that relationship build that trust and then I think it, they're already going to start to fall in love with you. I think that it's easier to grow the relationship. And then um, over time, you know, you can continue to do things that would support the re retention and them staying with you for a longer amount of time. But I, th I think that initial handholding is really where, where you earn their trust. Yeah. And even, and then it kind of goes from there. Yeah. Well, when you're, when you're vulnerable, because that's what that takes, right? Mm -hmm. When you, when you right. take the perspective of n don't make the client initiate confrontation, you know, or, or feel like they're mm -hmm. giving you bad news, you take that initiative upon yourself so that they know, okay, this door is open. Because yeah. it's one thing to say, come to me with any problems, come to me with any yeah. concerns. 
I, I, statistically, people won't do that, right? I, right. I, I taught for years and years, you know, even you know, while running our business for a year, you know, we're doing this 11 years now. If you just say, let me know if you have any questions, let me know if you have any concerns, comments, concerns, criticisms, right. cricket, crickets, literal crickets, like you have to go to them and open that door. It's kind of like showing them, look, door open. I'm here. Hi. Yes. I want to know. I want to know. And sometimes we can feel that that no news is good news, right? And so, mm. oh, what you you make you're making me go find news? Why would you do that? <laughs> right? Like that's bad. Right. They're they're going to actually say they're going to respond to something. That's the only way that we have that conversation with them. It's the only way they can go, "Oh, wow, this this person does care. This company mm. genuinely wants to know that they're doing a good job for me." And then we yeah. need to be open to that. Yes, open, <laughs> open to hearing, uh, hearing the feedback, regardless of if it's good or bad. And I, you know, I like again. I think I've growing up in the age of online reviews. It's hard to to hear negative things that happen, but it's um, it's always an opportunity to grow and to learn. You mentioned a couple different methods of, of calling, texting, mm-hmm. you know, video. Are there specific? Maybe not just communication channels, but but techniques or styles that you found that have worked really well when when, when working with people on this. Mm-hmm. Well, there are a couple kind of interesting um, tech platforms that make it easy, and maybe even some of the tech platforms you might be using with your current pet sitting software could integrate somehow with this kind of feedback. But mm-hmm. there's a platform called Video Ask, which I really love, and it's a quick way to shoot off videos. Um, to your customers and kind of prom- they can prompt right back, back and forth with you. You can, they can have an option to chat or video or audio message you. And, um, it's a little bit easier, I think, for, uh, than going like logging into a platform and having to remember passwords and, and send you a message to that portal. But, um, there's something like that. And then even thinking like Voxer, right? I, I don't know if you're familiar with Voxer, but it's another mm-hmm. kind of like a walkie talkie app. We found that a lot of um, pet sitter companies actually and dog walking companies use Voxer to have group threads with all of their teams. You can create channels and you can just pick up your phone and talk right into it, like quick little voice memos. So uh, even even thinking that that might be a way to communicate with your customers, just get all your clients onboarded onto the Voxer apps so that you can communicate quickly via audio that way. I, I like to just approach it as not so much. I think we've talked about like, well don't take the bad review personally. And let's, let's focus, I guess, real quick on that negative part of it. Let's say you are getting that feedback. I like to let the person vent and share what they want to share, right? We want that person to feel like they've been heard. We need to, we need to take our walls down and let the person communicate everything that they want to say. And then we can repeat back to them what it is that we have heard or what we think we've heard and their main concerns. And then we can let them know um, either why we have a certain role in place or why we do what we do. Or it's an opportunity to say, you know, we, we did drop the ball there or we, um, we have a lot to learn from here. I'm going to go back to our team and we are going to rethink about how we handle a certain situation, right? Like acknowledge to them that you are going to take action to resolve it. Because I think at least my experience, when customers are upset, they just worry that other people are going to other pet parents, other clients of yours are also experiencing this problem. And so we want to acknowledge that we've heard you. Is this correct? 
we agree, we need to make some improvements, maybe more training with this team member or rethink a system or something, and then we can go back and revisit it. So that, that's kind of some communication steps on how to handle when something goes wrong. And, and I will tell you, I get, having had a grooming business and having had doggy daycare where fights happen and dogs may, maybe get nicked or the customer you know doesn't like the way the dog was groomed, we have dealt with this a lot on, on kind of not meeting, let's say, that customer expectation, or they don't really think about situations that can happen with their dog because they are live animals, right? Yeah, <laughs> they have minds out. of their own. Crazy. <laughs> so I've handled this a lot. And I think what, again, what we find is that we can retain that customer. How we handle the problems is, is a retention strategy, right? It's, it's, um, if you can hear them out and continue to, have opportunities to work with you if if you really do want to keep the client. Let's say if it's if it's an arrow maybe on your part, um, and you want to keep the clients, how you handle that can 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 bond that customer to you for life. I think that's really important, Candace, and I'm glad you mm-hmm. said that. Of just because a client reaches out to you with a complaint, with dissatisfaction, with concerns, doesn't mean they're immediately going to run away from you, or doesn't mean they're going to go and start bad mouthing you on the internet. Like that, that right. doesn't mean that. It's in that moment how we choose to handle that. And sometimes you can get your most dedicated clients whenever you take that and you turn it back into something positive, not whitewashing mm-hmm. it, not like turning it into something that's mm-hmm. not, but going, wow, I, that's an amazing concern. I hear you. I can definitely understand why that was something that you think is. Or, you know, that's important to you. And, and mm-hmm. we definitely agree. Uh, here are XYZ steps. Let's go talk to people and we're going to get this ch- changed mm-hmm. over so that never happens again. Like letting people know that the action that you're going to take is huge. And they're going to, some that, that can sometimes turn them into your biggest, you know, cheerleaders for your business. Yeah. Yeah. We had one in the grooming space where the, uh, the client wasn't happy with the way her schnauzer was groomed and she was really upset. And they were a good customer of ours buying other products from us. And, um, so, what I decided to do was I knew I needed to interview groomers soon. And I asked her if she would be willing to assist us in the interview process of our next groomer so that we could find someone for her and for other customers that were up to her expectations. Wow. And she, she felt very honored that I would even suggest that she loved it. And we, her dog would end up getting a free groom out of it, but she wasn't looking for the free groom. She was really looking for someone who knew how to groom a schnauzer. Mm-hmm. And I, I think for me too, when I think about that, the white glove service at my, even my home, you know, you're going into people's homes, I don't mind paying more money, but I want to be able to find a service provider that can meet my needs and is willing to work with me, I guess, on on growing their skill set even, you know. Right. And, and not saying that we have to continue to take on clients, right? If they are problem no. clients, if they right. are, you know, belligerent towards us, if they are, no. you know, acting a certain way that's not out, that is outside of our comfort zone, that's not saying, well, stick with no. them because that's going to blah, blah. We're, no, no. I, think, I think it's important that we, True. <laughs> say, right. It's because that's not, we don't, we don't want people running our business, but that doesn't mean we can't take feedback to become better, right? That's, that's right. there's a distinction there. There are opportunities inside the, the challenges that we face with clients and can and how we handle those situations can continue to lifelong clients. Um, and going back to something else that you had said about if we don't give them opportunities to communicate with us, they they probably won't share anything. It's um, almost like they'll continue to use your service because maybe there really isn't anyone else in town that they can rely on. But that doesn't mean they're going to actually refer business to you. It's kind of like, I feel okay with this service, 
But the minute I refer somebody, now it's my name as associated that I recommended you. And if you don't live up to their expectations, it's going to look bad on me. Right now, with the way the economy is going, a lot of people being a lot more conservative with how they spend their money, they recognize, oh, you know, changing service providers is actually kind of difficult. I've got to go back out there. I got to do the Google search and I got to call people and set up the meet. I might as well just stay where I am. Right. And that to me is you could have a full client list and be booked every day and be 100% at capacity. But if you have clients that are just using you because, well, you know, reasons. It's like, I'm like, okay, well, how do, so how do we, how do we tap into that, Candace, and reach out to that kind of client and make sure that we don't have people that are just sitting there because there's no other option or because they feel, you know, trapped with us. Yeah. Well, surveys, surveys are a great way to get that started. And I think oftentimes maybe the outdated thinking was, oh, survey our customers once a year with an annual survey, but which is great. And at bare minimum, you should absolutely do that. But if you can come up with some sort of a, an easy to fill out form, something that doesn't take a lot of time, you know, you can use Google forms for this. Um, and there's a lot of other form, um, form makers out there like Typeform. And we currently use Airtable to keep ourselves organized and you can make forms, um, through Airtable as well. But just a short survey that's just checking in with them. Is there anything that we can be doing better? Have we met your expectations and satisfaction? And, and have um, that online form or a printout form that you leave with them, kind of like a comment card, I guess, um, available regularly. Like I would, you know, go do it after those first visits, maybe have a 30-day check-in and then a quarterly check-in. You could certainly do it every time you add in a new walker or a sitter if their if their um, sitter changes. I, you know, I don't know. I, I'm sure, obviously, you have a wide listenership, so there's a lot of people who um, maybe have employees or contractors that are longtime workers of theirs, but other people try to change it up and put like a team of people right on a, on a house visit so that the customer doesn't get used to like just one person all the time and heartbroken when the person, you know, goes on vacation. So no matter how it's done, you know, I would just always have some sort of a check-in after there's a new person that's gone there. Um, and then that is just uh, whether it could also be on your website. It could be the, a link to the survey could be on your website. It could be in the, in the footer of email newsletters you send out. It could be a regular post you integrate into your social media plan. Um, I, I think oftentimes we, we make these surveys once and then we forget about them and we don't talk about them enough. And, um, or we're afraid, we're afraid to get the feedback because <laughs> really what it comes down to. Yeah. And I think I like the idea of doing much shorter, more frequent ones because yeah. that allows you, because then say, okay, it was my annual survey. It's 17 pages. It's long. Oh it's, my gosh. It's, yeah. Here's an essay, right? Here's a it's closed book. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. like you're being graded. <laughs> I'm going to come to your house and watch you take it. Like it becomes a big thing. Mm-hmm. And then we amp ourselves up for it and we get anxious to hit send and all this stuff. But just having much shorter ones, it allows you to cover a lot more information too. Mm-hmm. I like that as well. And it's, they're mm-hmm. just much, they're just lighter. And they're like, okay, here's this touch point. Here's this touch point. Here's this thing over here, and let us know, right? And it's always a let us know, and here's an opportunity. Let us know, here's an opportunity. And giving that back to them is going to strengthen that relationship and really help them feel invested that, again, this person, this company really, really gets me. They're really mm-hmm. trying, and I, I, I like that because they feel like there's a connection there because there is a connection there. The National Association of Professional Pet Sitters has a vision, and they need your help. 
They envision a future where pet care professionals and pet parents collaborate to make a significant positive impact on the welfare of pets and the pet industry through education, certification, and community outreach. Together, we can make this vision a reality. NAPS is run by its members for its members. It's a volunteer-driven association. They actually offer a trial membership and various webinars to showcase the many NAPS member benefits offered. Visit the NAPS website today at petsitters.org for membership details and more information. And this is making me think just of like more connections and how you can continue to uh, work on this retention piece and building the relationship. One of the things I always found interesting about pet sitters is that, you know, you are going to people into people's homes. You usually have, at least compared to the pet retail stores, you know, you would know way more that's going on with their life than a pet store would, right? You might see the wedding planning stuff out, or you might see the new baby things arriving, or you know they're going to have a new baby because the dog's acting differently and you notice that. You know, we are in their homes or that they're working a lot or that someone might be sick in their family. Like you are seeing what's going on with the customer's life. life. And so um, there's opportunities for you to acknowledge maybe what they're going through, through a small gift, a small gesture. Maybe it's a handwritten card. Maybe it's a funny card. Like if they seem really stressed out, maybe you get a humorous card and leave it for them from their dog even, or from their pet or a little house plant or a little bouquet, like a small bouquet of flowers. Like you don't have to do this for every single client all the time, but it's that, that thoughtfulness as a gift or an acknowledgement that you're there for them not necessarily to help them through this problem, but that you're there for them to support their pet's needs and that you're kind of acknowledging and gesturing to them that you're thinking of them. Yeah, helping them in their life where they are. Mm-hmm. Recognizing, yeah. it's only, okay, I, man, I really love puppies. Well, you know what? You know what puppies don't do? Stay puppies forever. They're going to age out, right? They're going to, they're going to get older. They're going to have health problems. The family's going to move a couple times. They may have kids. They may not have kids. They may have, uh, their parents move in with them. They have all sorts of things going on. And if we, we can, we are the ones that can have that conversation with them. I know just mm-hmm. for us, when we get a new client, if we know they're new to town, they get sent a link directly to a, 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 a webpage on our website that has all of the blogs about local pet things. You go, mm-hmm. hey, welcome to town. Here's everything you need to know to get settled in. Let us know if you have any questions. And yeah. ref- it just simp- something as simple as referring out resources. Like we have a blog right. about you know dealing with with newborns and and dogs and cats. Great. If we know that's happening, hey, here's this. You know, let us know if you have any other questions or here's some other resources. Here's a great book. Here's a great thing. Just equipping people with knowledge is one of the single yeah. best gifts that you can give to somebody and, right. and allow them to continue. Again, our goal is to make sure that this pet parent lives their best life possible with their furry family member. And that takes us going, okay, I know you don't have time to go and do all the research and read this article and syn- synthesize this together, but I do. And that's what I, I take that part of our job as being educators. I know you mentioned that earlier, mm-hmm. Candace, of educating people about this. And that's mm-hmm. where we can step up and really help people in that way. And then they turn and look at us and go, hey, these people are really helping. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I like to also call that like anticipating their need. Or like if we can, I love people in my life who can anticipate my needs yeah. um, because I'm so busy and I mean, we're all busy, but like, I feel like I'm, I'm juggling so much. I'm spinning a lot of plates. And if someone else shows up and anticipates my need and thinks ahead for me, um, because they know the path I'm on, they can see it <laughs> in a sense, like you just said about the puppy, someone moving to town, they can help anticipate my needs. And, um, 
you'll have a relationship with me for a very long time. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Yeah. And that takes just paying attention, being mindful and approaching. And and sometimes that can be difficult to communicate as far as if we do see a serious issue or concern. But, but in those difficult conversations, I like to start off by going, I'm here because we, we love your pet. And we are so thankful for you all as clients. And I want you to know that everything I'm saying is going to be set out of love and, and support for you. And uh, so I hope you hear it with that heart. Uh, and then going from there and trying to set that groundwork of like, look, I'm not mm-hmm. here to criticize. I'm not here to, you know, whatever. But I, I do need to, I am obligated to have this hard conversation with you at, at right now. When it comes to, I think what's interesting about our conversation so far, Candace, is we're talking about client retention, and we haven't said anything about lock-in prices or lock-in contracts and forcing people to work with our with our with our with our with our companies. Right? We're not going. Okay, here's here's your one year long contract. Great, 100 percent client retention. Everything that we're focusing on is is that relationship base. Right? It's it's so mm-hmm. critical to always refer back to that. And and when you when you th- when you do think about that. Um, how do we, or how do we go about approaching people with additional services um, to, to further that relationship? Maybe we we do want to. We're just providing dog walks, but we want to be able to provide them other things. Is there a, is there an appropriate way to go about extending offers for other additional services that's not going to make them feel like we're just selling to them? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, if this is something you want to do, then definitely you know pause and take take a minute to think about. What will it look like if they say yes <laughs> to your offer? <laughs> you know, and meaning like if you if you see that they have a dog that needs to be um, that sheds a lot, and you're like, gosh, I'm visiting this house. I could use the furminator brush and de- help deshed this dog. That would that would um, help save some time. Okay, well, if you're going to offer that. How long will that actually take? So whatever service it is that you want to add to it, think about how long will this take? What would it look like if they did this, you know, once a week or every day? Uh, what if they added more pets? What if all my clients started doing this? You know, <laughs> Could have, and it's not going to happen overnight, right? There, there are, there is a path that we all go on in our entrepreneurship journey. And it's, you know, we kind of start at stage one, stage one and, and we move along. So it's not going to go, go there overnight. But I think that was the problem when I had my dog walking business was that I was trying to solve an immediate thing and that, worked and then it just kind of kept going and I hadn't reevaluated what it was I was selling. So mm. so really take time to think about how much time will this service actually take? How much would you charge for it to be worth your time so that you don't start resenting with this package you've put together and added for them? And then I think once you have those things in place, um it just goes back to that conversation. It, it you know if if it's if it's coming from a place of service, which pet care providers are service providers at the end of the day. If it's coming from a place of service, it's never selling. It's never salesy. You are helping that perfect, that person, a customer of yours make the perfect purchase. And this is something that one of my mentors has always shared with me. And this is a principle in retail we use a lot, but it's helping the person make a perfect purchase and making a perfect purchase is investing in you, right? As a sitter, they're making a perfect purchase with you. And so by anticipating their needs in their household or in their pet's journey, it is helping them know that they've made the perfect purchase with you because, because you are 
offering them solutions, they can say no, certainly, but never be afraid to make a suggestion of an added service you could sell to them. I like that that the concept of the perfect purchase because that is that is individualized to every single mm-hmm. person, right? So that that does you, you started this conversation by off by saying like get knowing the person, right? knowing the people that you're talking to, and that's where this this one on this in, this personalized experience come in because it it may still be the same service, but how it's presented and discussed and shared with that person for the particular problem that they have is going to be unique and different to every single mm-hmm. person that, that that we have on our client list. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you can have those one-on-one conversations. It just depends on how big your client base is. And, um, you know, you can even send out like a, a mass, let's say you have a lot of clients and a lot of, a lot of sitters, you could send out a mass message about here's what we're offering. Book a call with me or book a call with this person mm-hmm. on our team to learn more. And it's a Calendly link that goes to a 15 minute, 30 minute conversation. You both know when you can show up to the call. And you can really dive deeper in with that that customer who's interested. We did that for our doggy daycare when we needed to raise all our prices across the board. I was really nervous to do that. And I thought, well, gosh, I might get some pushback. So instead of losing the customer, I'm going to make the announcement and then have a place where everyone can, if they really have concerns, they can book a call. Because so many times when we would try to call people, they would be working or go to voicemail. It was so hard to like... Kind of actually connect. Yeah. So we used Calendly and, and appointment softwares like that to talk to our customers sometimes. And I love that because it gives you that opportunity to have that one-on-one yeah. if that's what they need. Again, giving yeah. people opportunities to come to you going here again, mm-hmm. doors open, here's a Calendly link. Because again, yeah. it's like, okay, I'm offering adventure hikes today or I'm, I'm going right. to start offering adventure hikes. Here's the three-hour service, blah, blah. You can write it up in there and, and give the boilerplate, you know, uh, ad copy and things like that. But to help people who may have additional questions, you know, you do mm-hmm. need to offer that and go, okay. You do. Because like, <laughs> you know, I, I know for like brand new clients, I think we, t- we tend to forget this brand new new clients love to ask lots of questions about mm-hmm. you. And even existing clients may have additional questions about the new service they want to enter into because they're a new client for that service and still right. offering that to them instead of just being like, ah, you've been with me three years. You know yeah. the drill anyway. You know, yeah. Or assume or assume that they really know all of the... Here's another problem is that we might assume that they know we offer all these services because we're like, oh, they're a client base. They, I can, they get emails from me. They follow me on social media. They know everything I offer. Yeah. Odds are they don't. No. <laughs> no, no, and I could I, just straight from experience. Yeah, we we've grown our our service listing, and when I say things about like, oh yeah, we offer pet photography or, or adventure hikes, they're like, what? Yeah, wow, oh, my goodness, because we forget. We're like, oh yeah, they they tuned out after all those posts on social yeah. media because I'm solving their need, right? They they don't right. get to that part of the email because I'm solving their need. So I need to approach them in, in in a different way so that I don't, and it's a reminder for us not to take them for granted as mm-hmm. clients. And, mm-hmm. I, and, and, and and basically, it make, help, makes sure that they don't feel ignored in, in our company. Right. I know that this is a, a big topic, and, and this whole time we've been talking about just re- retention as as running a business, but there's a lot more that goes into this, Candice, and you all have something really exciting coming up uh, that yes. people want to know more information about. So talk to me about your, your, your boot camp that you've been putting together. So we kick things off at Pet Boss Nation on July 16th with our summer Pet Biz Bootcamp. It's the Pet Business Bootcamp where we are going to be focusing specifically on this traffic uh, conversion and retention strategy for pet businesses. 
which all fall under that marketing umbrella, which is the fun stuff in business. I feel like it's the fun piece of business. And this boot camp is six days of virtual fun where we um, go into it where we're using a pop-up Facebook group. We'll also be using Zoom. So don't worry if you're not a Facebook user, you know, you can still learn from this program. But We will share specific strategies with you that we have taught hundreds, if not thousands of pet professionals um, around the world, really, on how to uh, improve their sales and um, improve their profit and revenue. So we'll be doing that in the bootcamp. It is $10 to sign up for the bootcamp. It will be well worth it for you. You can learn more at petbizbootcamp.com. It's P-E-T-B-I-Z-B-O-O-T-C-A. MP.com. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, 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 that, we'll, that, yeah, yeah, take that yeah, yeah. with it. That's just jingle. Totally. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that biz boot camp. Okay. We're going to give you your business workout. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. And so this is, you know, uh, this is for is it uh, you know pet, it's pet business specific content uh, for people to implement in, in their business. Yes, it is a workshop for any local pet business owner. You know, at Pet Boss Nation, we really do uh, try to support the people who who live in the local communities, whether that's and working with pets, whether that's a physical location or um, like pet sitters and dog trainers. While we know we all need digital presence and we all need to be online, um, we support still that mom and pop, not the big online giants or big online stores. So. Um, anybody who has a local pet business is welcome to join us. And we will be starting it off by going over what our pet business success system looks like and how you can be incorporating this into your pet business. And then we are going to be walking through um, specific strategies every day that week. Um, the trainings are about an hour to 90 minutes. So it really won't take that much of your time. Everything is recorded and you can want, you know, have it on replay. Um, we have little workbooks you'll go through, but it will really help you understand where you are right now in business and where you can go by applying these principles in place. Okay. Um, I can't give away too much right now about what we would cover. <laughs> All those little details, right? You got to sign up for the pet business bootcamp um, to find out at petbizbootcamp.com. You can, you can learn more there. Um, and we'll have it all mapped out for you to learn more. Oh, that sounds super exciting, Candice. Uh, I, I know that'll be a great resource and uh, for people to get connected because this marketing thing's kind of hard, right? And it does take th- approaching it with with an interesting touch, and especially with the kind of in the industry that we are in, doing dog mm-hmm. walking, pet sitting, you, you know, coming to people's homes. It, it's a, it's a little bit different, and, yeah. and and people struggle with that. I know it's like, oh, I'm passionate about pets, but oh yeah, I've got this business thing to run, and I've got a marketing. I, well, what's that? So um, I, I, this kind of resource is really needed. So I'm really excited to see this. Come yeah. out and, and what it's going to, to include. And we have this little like pyramid that we like to, to focus on in our, in our sessions. And it's really helping pet business owners go from this hobbyist, right? A hobby business owner to the go-to authority mm. in their area. So if you go from a hobbyist to growing your business to becoming locally famous, as we like to say, and then becoming the go-to authority. And you, you go on that journey really only when you start investing in yourself and investing in your own professional development to see, um, to one, to change your own mindset, maybe about what's possible for your business, but then learning from peers, learning from the community and learning from um, experts like myself and like, and like you guys. So um, it's really important that we, as the owners of our companies, CEOs of our companies, um, that we 
invest in our own mindset and brain power and business knowledge. Absolutely, Candice. I couldn't have said it better. Uh, so, so it's Pet Biz Boot Camp, if they're interested in the boot camp. Uh, where can people go find uh, Pet Boss Nation and the podcast and everything that you have going on over there? Yeah. You can visit PetBoss.com. That's the easiest place to get connected to us and all of the social platforms. But we do have a podcast called Boss Your Business, the Pet Boss Podcast. Uh, you can find it on all streaming platforms. And then after the boot camp or during the boot camp, we will be opening up our monthly membership, the Pet Boss Club, which is normally closed um, throughout the year. But we have opportunities a couple times where we invite people to join us in our monthly business coaching programs. And at uh, the Pet Biz Boot Camp, you will be invited um, to join us there too. Okay, super exciting. Well, I will have links to the boot camp, uh, Pet Boss Nation, and the podcast, and a few other things uh, that we've talked about here, so people can click right to that. Uh, Candice, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing with us all about this today. And uh, yeah, I just, I just really, really appreciate it. Thank you, Colin. I appreciate being here. How do you keep clients coming back over and over? By building strong relationships with them and giving them more opportunities to not just interact with your company, but by giving them more opportunities to spend money with your company and see themselves as part of helping you grow and see themselves as part of your community. By increasing your perceived value to your clients, they will see you as indispensable to the lifestyle that they want to lead and how they want to care for their pets. Anticipating your clients' needs may seem like a particularly daunting task, but truly, you understand the kind of clients that you are already serving. If you haven't done so, take a look at your entire client list and look for patterns. What are typical careers that people have? How often do they use your services? Where are they going on vacation? Why do people call you versus book through your software versus go through your website versus go through email? All of these are going to provide insights into the type of client that you are serving. And once you know the type of client that you are already serving, you know them better and you can then anticipate their needs better than before. This not just helps serve your existing clients, but it reaches and expands your ability to serve more clients as they encounter your services and understand that you are for them, even though they might not know it yet. We want to thank today's sponsors, Time to Pet and the National Association of Professional Pet Sitters, and we really want to thank you so much for listening. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week, and we'll be back again soon. I'm <laughs> sorry.